Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording not so live from the Brooklyn Solarium. First and foremost, folks, I want to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you, if you were traveling, you got to where you were going to safely. Um, Later in the show, I asked Jonathan, you know, our in-house doctor, to join us to kind of provide a reminder of where we are in with COVID-19 right now, and also some of the measures that we can use uh, when we're gathering with family, when we're gathering with friends over the next couple of weeks in order to keep ourselves safe. And I wanted to do that because I got to tell you, I was reading uh, the news the other day, and Jonathan and I will talk about this as well, and seeing what is happening in Europe and recognizing that for the past, you know, 19 months, 20 months, we'll, we'll almost be at two years once the calendar year changes, um, that what is happening in Europe tends to come to the United States within a four-week period. And right now, there are countries like Austria that are going back on lockdowns. There is conversation about whether or not Germany will lock back down. France has created a uh, vaccination system, much in the way that New York has, uh, where you have a vaccination card that you need to show in order to get on public transportation um, so that they can avoid a lockdown as well. Because, of course, you know, politics and money rule everything and they're getting ready to have an election uh, in 2022 and don't want to deal with yet another shutdown. But I think that it's important, especially as we are gathering for the first time, uh, many of us for the holiday season with family and friends, to be reminded of the ways that we need to keep ourselves safe. The pandemic is not over, and over 700,000 people in the United States alone have lost their lives. And so I just, I use this opportunity for my conversation with Jonathan to remind us about one, how we engage with one another, how we keep ourselves safe, but also how we protect protect our mental and emotional health. 
Look, gathering with family and friends during the holiday season isn't always a joy for a lot of people. And I recognize that. I always, um, you know, as I talk about my own family and friends, I am oftentimes really thankful that I look forward to going home. I look forward to spending time, but that is not the case for far too many people. And so Jonathan offers some tips, some tricks, some jokes, um, about how we stay sane during this time. So I just want to bring that to all of you, but it is Thanksgiving, right? And aside from the fact that this is a bullshit, uh, colonizer holiday, uh, I have transitioned into not obviously talking about how, you know, white supremacist religious zealots came to this land and colonized it and killed off a bunch of indigenous people. Um, instead like to focus on a day of gratitude. Now I talked about this a bit yesterday And I talk about it actually a lot with uh, my friends and my family these days too, which is my life has changed a lot over the past couple of years. And, you know, mostly because I ended a marriage and, you know, began living on my own, switched up the kind of work that I was doing because I didn't want to just put rage out into the universe, but actually wanted to also be a voice of positivity. One of the ways in which I have shifted uh, in my own life is a daily gratitude practice. Now, these are things that I used to roll my eyes at. I will be honest with you, that my mother and my sister, you know, they had been practicing meditation daily, yoga on a regular basis, doing all of these things. And, you know, at the time when they would say, Danielle, you should meditate. Like, you're so stressed out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll try it. I'll do it at some point. But really seeing it as more of an annoyance, really, than anything else. I've come to realize, particularly through the pandemic, how important it is to slow down. And how important it is, particularly when things around you, whether it be our democracy or your livelihood, are seem to be crumbling, what are the ways in which we can ground ourselves and center ourselves in the things that are going well, the things that we are grateful for? So, you know, it started off slowly with me and really began with the daily walks that I started taking in 2020 as a way, just frankly, to get some fresh air and to stop staring at the same, you know, four walls. But what started happening for me on these daily walks is that it became more so meditative. It was the time to be alone. I would listen to my music or not listen to anything except for nature, listening to the birds and the wind, right? Or, you know, noticing beautiful trees and flowers and just kind of taking in, using my five senses to take in my surroundings instead of being on this constant uh, hamster wheel treadmill where I was just rushing to get from point A to point B, not really taking into consideration what was happening in between those two points. And so on my walks, You know, I found myself thinking a lot about the past, thinking a lot about the ways in which I had shown up in past relationships, whether they be romantic relationships or, you know, just intimate friendships, family um, relationships. And, you know, being also just mindful of 
how my shift in energy shifted people's reactions and responses to me. So, you know, I, I, I say that because I think that it is important for us too to have these moments of reflection. We're so busy, particularly in the United States of just like powering through every goddamn thing that, you know, it, it is part of this grind culture. It's part of this hus hustle culture that you can never take a break, that you can never take a moment, that everything is about, you know, what could possibly happen in the future. And we don't take the past into consideration and we damn sure speed over the present. But what these daily walks started to offer to me was an opportunity to have quiet space, have what some refer to as quietude instead of solitude, and really think about the ways in which I am happy and joyful and grateful for my surroundings, for the opportunity to take a walk, to take a break, um, to be in community, and recognizing that Everything isn't about the destination. Everything isn't about what is going to happen next. And so my daily gratitude practice started, you know, with just being grateful that I could get out of the house um, during the pandemic. And because I was staying, you know, on Long Island, that I didn't have to worry about wearing a mask when I was outside because, frankly, there were really no neighbors around. Um, and then more and more people started to, you know, decide that they were going to use their time, uh, to walk or to jog. And so I started like waving to people, you know, wishing them a good morning or saying good afternoon. And that those little gestures made me feel good. It made me feel like, oh, I see you, you see me. We're in this, you know, crazy moment, but like we're, honoring each other as we're passing. And, you know, as things began to kind of settle in that this was going to be our new normal, realizing that what was making me feel good, what I was holding on to, frankly, was the fact that, you know, I was happy not to be alone, that the quarantine and the pandemic had offered an opportunity for my family who been separated by oceans, you know, that my sister lives abroad to come together and to be together. So what I think this opportunity, these days, right, allow us to do when we are hopefully not working, although many of us still have to work, right? Um, but the, the opportunity for Thanksgiving to come together with our families, with our friends, to you know, take walks, go on hikes, connect with folks is the opportunity to be grateful for the little things. And I know that that seems so cliche, but I started to realize that cliches are cliches for a reason, right? Because they mean something. My sister and my mother, like I said, oftentimes would say, Danielle, you're so stressed out. You're so overwhelmed. Take the opportunity to meditate, still yourself. And I would roll my eyes. And then I started practicing meditation daily, multiple times a day, and recognize that like now I feel more at ease. It's weird to me to say that I feel more at ease now, as our democracy is clearly crumbling around us and everything seems like a shit show. 
but that I feel more grounded and more connected to my family, to my friends, to myself than I did in 2019. And so I offer that as an example to say that you don't have to be addicted to the trauma of this moment, to the grief. Because frankly, like I said yesterday with the Michelle Goldberg article in the New York Times, this dystopia that we're living in doesn't have an expiration date. And if we are just focusing on all of the things that are wrong, instead of practicing gratitude and developing a gratitude practice on the things that are actually right, right? The things that are going well in our lives, the small things, right? The ability to go and, you know, have a glass of wine with a friend, the ability to go for a walk or to practice yoga or to garden, to pick up a new plant, to do whatever it is. But take those opportunities, those moments, right, to send up just a little note of gratitude. I'm grateful for this, right? Um, and it doesn't have to be something that you share with the world. But I would say that, you know, particularly if, you, if part of your Thanksgiving tradition is to go around the table and to offer up what you are grateful for this year or what you are hopeful for in, you know, in the coming year, to not think about the material things that you have, but think about where our attention went when quarantine was happening. What are the things that we were holding on to that got us through? And are we still steeped in that practice of recognizing that, you know, health, our health is something to be grateful for. There are lots of people struggling right now, right? Not only with COVID, but with really ailing other diseases and issues. So if you are able to take deep breaths, if you're able to move your body, be grateful for that. Um, and so, you know, I just, I want to say that I will end with this, that I am so grateful for each and every single one of you who have decided to not only invest your time, but your treasure into supporting Woke AF and Woke AF Nation and providing your comments and words of encouragement and your likes and your suggestions over the past year. I have gotten through this really because of all of you and the fact that you have placed your faith and your energy in me, right? And then I'm able to put that energy back out into the world and to all of you. There are days, I tell you often, where I feel like I'm screaming into a void and then I'll get a note, I'll get a text, I'll get a message, I'll get, you know, a DM that tells me, thank you so much for what it is that you're doing, for showing up, for allowing me a space for my anger and for my rage. And so I just want to say that I wish you all a restful, recharging holiday, Protect your mental health, protect your physical health, your emotional health during this holiday season. Stay safe, stay grounded, stay in gratitude. I appreciate each and every one of you. That is it for me today, dear folks. On this Thanksgiving, I wish for you, wish for you serious, serious um, wellness as we move into the end of the year.
Well, folks, happy Thanksgiving. I am excited uh, to bring you an episode with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, who, if you remember, last week we said, oh, we're going to talk on Thanksgiving about what it feels like for some people as we head into the holiday season, the anxiety that comes up. This year is, in fact, different than last year because more people will be gathering together for maybe the first time um, since COVID. But Jonathan, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on how people, how, how, how you are hearing that people are coping with anxiety, with these gatherings. I've been reading so many different articles as of late of how to avoid your gaslighting family <laughs> and like how not to have conversations that are going to erupt into World War III. But um, what do you – talk to us about the anxieties that people have around the holiday season and how this one um, is a bit different. Well, hey, everybody. I just got to California, first of all. You can tell because I'm in my – Parents, little uh, Colorado. Sorry, out of it. Um, I, I, um, I'm in my mom, my my parents' house. My mom has, she, my mom loves purple and hearts, and so I'm in my mom's world right now, which is really nice. So on one hand, you know, I woke up this morning. Uh, what I wake up four o two a.m. in New York. I slept all the way to the airport. It was a zoo. It's a madhouse. Mm. The airport is a mess. Um, and then I flew to Denver, zillion people there, rented the car, blah, 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 blah. So I want to say, first of all, at least at this point, ask me tomorrow when I'm pulling my hair out. Um, but at this point, it feels like it's worth it. So partially, it's kind of like we have the option now to see our family. We haven't done so in a long time. So that part is nice, right? And in other words, like I get to talk to you in front of my mom's weird heart 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 sculpture um, because I'm I'm in my parents' house now, which is which is nice. So that part is good, but it does bring up like all the all the I mean, there's all the usual stuff about um, about just seeing your family and those kind of things. That's hard enough, and then you bring politics on top of that, mm -hmm. and then you bring COVID on top of that. COVID is such a like, I mean, everybody it's not like everybody in the same family has its same attitude about COVID. So COVID itself is a deep, deep, deep source of anxiety. I'll give you one example if I can, please. which is, which is that I've been nervous all week to last month, really, because I have two brothers. I'm going to throw my family into the bus right now. Uh, um, I have three brothers. Two of them are not great at masking. They, they don't mask really. Um, and, um, one of my brothers is pretty good at it. Um, and my parents, you know, my parents are older and they're kind of good at it. So I got everybody to agree. We're going to get tested and we're going to get rapid tests and we're not going to eat in restaurants and, you know, indoor restaurants. We got them laid the ground rules before. Then I'm driving here and I call and I'm like, okay, everybody, I'm on my way up. Where are you? And they're like, oh, we're great. We can't wait to see you. We're in the gym. And, and they went to, they all went to the gym. And I'm like, oh, great. Are you wearing your mask? And they're like, no, you said restaurants. So they're in the gym, having gotten tested. Now they're in this really big crowded gym, not wearing masks. Um, and so <laughs> I'm like, ah, like you can't win. You know what I mean? As it's your family. I can't like call them like creepy ass anti-maskers because they're also related to me. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like the regular COVID politics are just at play also where 
like now I told them like, okay, we just wasted our time getting tested. I'm going to wear an N95 when I'm around you guys, <laughs> like whatever. But it's kind of like everybody has such different, you know, everybody has such different opinions about COVID anyway and responses. And then, you know, like now we're going to be stuck in this house together. So it's a, I just give you a big bundle of emotion. because I mean, I, I think that one of the things that you did, you know, I, I mean, you did uh, several things, you know, well, it's whether or not people follow them. But I think that one of the ways to kind of assuage anxiety is to try and set ground rules that everybody is going to be operating under um, if you're going to be under the same roof, right? Like there are some people who they come in just for the day for Thanksgiving and then they leave. Um, but we can't assume that everyone has been following the same guidelines, doing the same things. And so, you know, just to dig a little deeper, Jonathan, like how did you decide, you know, how, how did you get up the courage, I'll say, um, to have this conversation with your family about setting these ground rules, whether they followed it or not, you know, is one thing, but how did you muster up the courage to say, Hey, can we get to this same shared space? It, it, I just say it's not easy. And my family's pretty close, but it still wasn't easy because th- we just have really different opinions about, about the pandemic. I, one of my brothers, he's been saying for a year now, his pandemic is over. He's not going to pay any attention to it because recognizing it is like recognizing his frailty or something like that. I've got another brother who's got a family and he's got a bunch of little kids at home. And so for him, it's like, you know, I want to be careful for my kids and stuff like that. Everybody has a really different thing, but it's not easy because it ties into all these deep family emotions. And so part of the issue is the minute we started negotiating it, then it's like, oh, my brother never listened to me in the first place. Or my brother's like, you know, I don't know, I want to say it online here, but I'll say, <laughs> um, you know, it just, it ties into all the different things. So initially it was a quite hard conversation mm-hmm. and really, you know, the, I mean, I just got here literally three minutes before we started talking and I made them all leave so that I could not wear a mask while we talked. But I will say, ask me in a week, like if I, if I have COVID, then it wasn't worth it. But if I don't, whatever, then it was worth it. But I will say, um, it, it's just, it, it's a lot of negotiation. Now, what was helpful for me, I'll say this. Number one is that there are pretty clear CDC guidelines uh, for this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I use those very concretely. I mean, it's very clear. You should get a PCR test if you can, before you go home. Um, you should be really conservative when you're going home. by when you're going on the plane, wear the mask as much as you can. Don't take it off in the airport. So number one, everybody should get tested. And that's true, even if everybody's vaccinated. Um, number two, once you're in, I, I liked, and my family refused to do this, but I thought let's get a PCR first and then we'll do a rapid test in the house just to make double sure. Mm-hmm. But, but no, but, but they didn't want to do that. So I lost that one, but that's what you should do. Um, and then when you're home, because there's a lot of people flying around and stuff like that, I would say, you know, create your safety bubble in your house, but the minute you all go to a restaurant and eat without masks on, you're kind of blowing your safety bubble, which you can do in your regular life. But when you're all together with your family on the big, on the holiday, maybe you don't want to blow the safety bubble that way. So I tell people like kind of eat at home as best you can. Now, if there are people like, you know, this is probably TMI, but my little niece has COVID. It's so sad. Um, she got it at, at school. Mm. And so, so she and her, she and my other brother and their family are quarantining. 
And so we're now going to see them outside. Everybody's going to be masked. Everybody's going to be like masked, you know, um, out the wazoo. And then we're going to, we've arranged a place where we can kind of see them at a distance outside. So, you know, you, you, this is kind of like what you do. You're resilient, you work around it. But I'd say the main thing you don't want is COVID in your house when you're home for the holidays. And the main reason is because then you're stuck there for two weeks with your family quarantining. And so definitely do everything you can to, to avoid that part. So Jonathan, you were talking to us about some of the decisions that your family had made in order to try and come together in the safest way possible. And you were mentioning the fact that your niece um, has gotten COVID from school and that your brother was, you know, and the family is quarantining. And so how are you, how are you dealing with that? Will they be joining or is it not happening at all because it's going to be over quarantine and so you'll do some type of zoom or something like that well we're in colorado and they they already live in colorado they have their own house here so we are already separate right so the main thing is we're not in the same house and then what we decided is the kids are quarantining separately um my brother and his wife they are um, gonna. Um, they are playing it safe, and they're they're going to have two successive tests just to make sure that they're um, that they're negative. And at that point, we're all going to go meet outside, uh, and we've decided to you know go on a hike or something. We're going to social distance, and everyone's going to wear a mask. And so, even though they are probably still carriers, um, as I was saying before, we got disconnected there. The key is really flexibility and resilience. Mm -hmm. It's not like because they're, you know, we've all probably walked by a zillion people who have COVID. The question is, where does that happen, right? You don't want it to be in a restaurant when you're eating next to them and your mouth is open. But what we're going to do is we're going to see them at a distance outside. Now, it's going to be hard. My nieces are really cute. And, you know, it's going to, that part's going to be hard. But I think what we're doing is we're just trying to come up with a Trouble understanding right now. <laughs> That's my mom, Siri. Okay, uh, put a put a cap in it there, Siri. Thank you. <laughs> this stuff happens when your parents come home. So that was hilarious. I, I was like, wait a minute, what is happening here? It's my favorite. They have like everything automated around here. You know, like probably if I say one thing, like the vacuum cleaner is going to, the robot vacuum cleaner is going to come get me. <laughs> but anyway, the point I was going to make, and I think everybody should keep this in mind is it's good to play it safe around the holidays because there are two bad outcomes. One is you get sick and you, people get sick and you pass it around. And if your relatives are elderly, they're at higher risk. But the second risk is if you get sick, you're stuck quarantining in your family house for two weeks. You're stuck here. And so that's another good reason to to play it safe. You know, it's really interesting because I, I want to go back to what you said initially with one of your brothers who was just like, I'm done, right? Like I'm over it. And, and you know, the sentiment really is, and I, and I think that a lot of Americans, even those that are vaccinated, that receive the booster, you know, are done and are, are not thinking about getting the PCR test or the rapid test before they head home for the holidays, maybe. But I, I can tell you that I remember last year, this time, I stood in line uh, at the local city MD uh, here in Brooklyn for six hours, six hours in order to get um, a test. And I, I will I, I will never get that time in my life back, but that is how hypervigilant so many people were in the city 
having come off the trauma of being, you know, the epicenter for COVID, uh, that they were like, I want to spend the holidays together. I want to do this, but I want to be as safe as possible. You know, it's like, how do you feel like we reorient people, particularly around this holiday time? And as this is going to be the first engagement, then we have Hanukkah, then we have Christmas, we have Kwanzaa, we have all of these other things that are coming. And then you have New Year's. How do we reorient people around safety measures without like them just rebuffing, right? And being like, no, I'm done. How, like, what are some tips you think that we can offer to people that are just like, yes, we know that we're exhausted. We know that we weren't together last year, but like in order to continue on this path of like re-engaging with each other, these are the things that we need to do. Yeah, it's a hard one. I mean, you know, because all this is happening, not just while we rejoin, right? We reconnect. It's also that it's actually a pretty weird time for the pandemic. I, I don't know if People saw this, but the cases have gone up 30% in the last 10 days. So we're gearing up for another surge and people are traveling all around. Um, and there are places that have been going down for the past couple of months, which now are going back up again. Tennessee, where I live is one example, but that's going to be a lot of places. And then also globally, there are some real warning signs in Europe. Mm -hmm. We're usually about a month behind Europe, but places that you would never think we're going to go back into lockdown or going to see ma major surges. Germany had been doing well. Austria had been doing well. Scandinavia had been doing really well. And now a lot of those places are going back into lockdown. You know, it's very complicated because they're seeing surges. And so what does a surge tell you? Well, first of all, you know, this thing is very cyclical. Second of all, you know, when people are doing kind of the same thing and the cases go up, I think, is there some kind of mutation mm -hmm. where this thing is becoming more infectious? But something's happening right now. And so now is actually a time where people should be more careful. But again, as I was saying before, there are ways to be more careful and also see your family. Like I plan on just locking myself in my childhood room and having them hand me the food under the door and stuff like that. Um, no, I'm saying you can be safe, you know, find outdoor things. I mean, the same rules really apply. Um, you know, the, the same rules really apply. But um, but again, it's just like the time to say, which I can, I could not disagree with people who say this more, I'm done. Like, yeah, that's easy for you to say. And maybe you're done. But, no, but the virus isn't done with us. Right. And, and also when you make a claim like that, what if you get it and pass it to somebody else, right? So you can say you're done, but when you're seeing a lot of people and congregating, you're making a decision for them, which seems to me unfair. You know, it was funny because uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up what is happening in New York because I did want to touch upon that because I was reading the reports on Austria going into lockdown for three weeks. Uh, Germany's chancellor has announced that that is not going to be the case, but that, you know, of course, once again, we're making the correlation between keeping people safe and the economy. And, you know, they're talking about the fact that if Germany and others were to go back into uh, said quarantine the way that Austria is going to do, that the U, um, that Europe would go back into a recession. Like it wouldn't even, like it wouldn't even take um, but a few weeks in order for that to happen. And so, 
you know, what are the things like, and again, Americans do not pay a lot of attention to what is happening outside of our own communities, let, let alone outside of our own states and outside of the country. And so talk to us about, again, and I'm bringing this up, you know, during this holiday season, because I think that it's important, it's an important reminder. And I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, have you on to talk about the ways in which we need to continue to keep ourselves safe. But what are the what are the things that we should be paying attention to when we're reading these stories about what's happening in Europe and in other places that are anticipating or are in the midst of a fourth wave? Well, I think three things are important. One, as I said, is we tend to lag about a month behind Europe. So whatever's happening there is going to be happening here. That's number one. Number two is, again, I think I always pay attention when people generally behave the same way socially. Um, and cases go up, it tells you that something might have, might have changed with the virus or seasonality or something like that. But there's some change happening uh, where things that people, you know, that, that were safe for people a while ago, all of a sudden are not safe anymore. So that's number two is to be on guard. Um, and I would say number three is it's, it's still not a mystery. It's not a mystery, right? There's great research out of South Korea right now, for example, when everybody wears a mask, you, you're, it's 93% effective, right? So the, the things, we know the things, right? If, you, if, you, if everybody's masking, if we do a little bit of social distancing, all those kind of things, we will, we will defeat this thing, right? It's, it's just the, it's harder to do that. But I would say that, you know, it's not like there's going to be different public health advice. Like the public health advice is going to be the same. So it really is a chance for people to start to double down. And again, right now is the time because we're seeing cases go up and, and, and I can guarantee you two weeks from now, it's going to be much, much more serious than it even is now. Switching gears from COVID uh, for a moment and talking about the other anxiety that people have, which is gathering with family members that are politically, you know, disaligned with you. But, you know, again, it's been a year since many families have gathered in mass what advice do you have for people that are going to be, you know, to protect their mental health, right? Like this, and this is, this is truly for me, what this is about is like, you know, you recognize that folks are family, but you also recognize that our political climate has thrust people into various types of tribalism, has, you know, pitted, you know, families that are in the same home or against one another. And so not to feed into um the the kind of misery that we are seeing it happen in in congress and in the political narrative what advice do you have for people who may be face to face with that uncle or that aunt or that grandparent um or that sister or that brother um that is ideologically opposed right and i'm not talking about those that are rabid right that are you know fighting uh, beating up school board members or you know picketing in front of hospitals i'm talking about those that are seemingly still you know fairly normal ish um but are are not as aligned as you may be well as a professional i think there's nothing wrong with Drinking as much as you possibly can. If um, if you have to roofie yourself to get through the holidays. No, that, Jonathan. That, okay, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry. Let's start that over. But I will say 
Um, it's funny because I've been having a lot of debates with very, very conservative people recently. And my tack recently, and, I, and it's probably working on relatives too, who knows, but the tack I've been doing recently is to say, okay, look, we've identified the problem. Let's see how we can concretely solve it. In other words, don't tell me if I'm an idiot or don't tell me if I'm good or bad, and I won't do the, the same for you. How could we concretely solve the problem? So I'm trying to shift from diagnosis and finger pointing, which everybody's doing these days, to like, like what, what strategies, what policies, what investments would we need to make to solve the problem? So I'm trying to shift all these conversations to concrete problem solving as a way of thinking like, hey, look, we're, we're tired of fighting with each other. We don't agree. Let's come up with a model for how to fix the problem. And, and so far, so good. Well, again, ask me in a week. Um, but I would say that that's been my approach is let's let's switch to solutions and not debate things that we know are going to be um, troubling for us. You know, because I think, you know, too, a lot of families, um, you know, you grew up saying, we're not going to talk about religion. We're not going to talk about politics. We're not going to talk about these impolite topics at the dinner table as a way to kind of, you know, keep the peace. But what I found especially during the the rise of Trump and Trumpism, is that maybe if we had had more of these discussions and they were concrete and they were oriented around, you know, what can be done and what should be done with the pressing problems that we have, then maybe it wouldn't have caught us off guard. Maybe a Trump-like figure wouldn't have been able to rise. Um, and maybe that silent, quote unquote, majority that they always talked about wouldn't have felt um, the need to grab, the need to grasp onto such lies. And so, you know, avoidance, to my point, shouldn't be your reaction, right? So like, I don't want people to be like, oh, I'm going to go to this dinner and I'm going to stuff my beliefs and my feelings and my emotions down because I think that that's detrimental. Yeah. And you can, you can also say like, I agree with you that this is a problem. In fact, we all face this problem, COVID or violence even. I mean, there was a report in DC this morning about uh, gun violence in DC, like things that are really charged. Um, I agree with you. This is a problem, but I'm also, I think part of our nation's tired of fighting right now. Let's come up with some concrete steps. Let's start thinking about how to fix these things. And I agree with you. We, we've gotten into debates. I mean, even, you know, I mean, a lot of this is being formed because people want us to disagree with each other. A part of this is that there's a hate industrial complex that's driving all this. And a lot of it is because we're debating things. I mean, critical race theory is a great example, um, like theoretical things that are diagnostic without talking about like, OK, look, we think racism is a terrible problem. Let's talk, even though you may don't agree with critical race theory. How can we solve how can we solve inequity? Let's talk about structural issues. So that's kind of my approach when when you know when, you know that hopefully that will work. But again, let's see how that lasts through the holiday. But at this point, I'm just tired and I'm tired of arguing. And I would rather talk about solutions than keep litigating the same points about oh, you name it, wokeness on down. <laughs> No, I mean, I think that that's right. I think that a lot of people are tired and I want folks to utilize the time that you're spending with families, with friends that may not be politically aligned to actually have real conversations, not arguments, not debates, because I do think that we're tired. I think that we're emotionally spent. Um, I, I speak a lot on Woke AF about using time to reset and recharge. And sometimes it's really difficult to do that around family, um, particularly those with fraught relationships with family. But I do think that there's an opportunity here, you know, 
to have conversations that are solution oriented, that are those that are steeped in not pointing fingers and not name calling and not doing the things that we're seeing elected officials do, right? And, and say that we want something that is different. Um, and and there's, there are ways to do that too. I mean, you can say, let's say that you're right, or I can see some parts, I can see some truth in what you're saying, and I can certainly see the validity. You, know, can, you want to validate somebody. And then if you're talking to my brothers, you have to say, and also that you are probably the most brilliant person in the world. So, you know, some kind of flummery. Um, and then you say, but let's just take that you're right. Um, what What's the solution? How can we work together on the solution? Because the solution is going to impact you and it's going to impact me. What would the solution be? And let's start to build that from the ground up or something like that. So start with start with some kind of affirmation. Mm-hmm. Throw, throw in some random BS you don't agree with, just in my family. Um, and then... And then really get as concrete as possible. But the thing is, it's actually a lot easier to talk about, well, would it work? What would the outcome be if we invested there? What would it mean to create structurally competent healthcare clinics uh, in, in underserved areas? How could we really solve, um, you know, I mean, even even ideological stuff, like if wokeness is a problem, I mean, that's when my parents love to talk about these days. Um, let's just find what is the problem? How can we fix it? And things like that. So, yeah. Jonathan, I always appreciate you, particularly um, as we head into this holiday season, to remind us of the importance of staying safe, staying sane, um, so that we can continue to gather and rejoin, you know, our families in mass um, in a way that makes us all happy, right, at the end of the day. And staying safe um, and having these really difficult conversations are the way that I think that we're going to move forward. So as always, thank you so much for making the time for us uh, during this holiday season uh, to join Woke AF. We appreciate you. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.